So good to see all of you today. Let's say our confession this morning, the Word of God. It's truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Now before you're seated, say, Father, my heart, my mind, they're wide open, receptive. I'm hungry for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. That was some exhilarating worship. As far as I'm concerned, we've had church. We can just go home. (laughs) I'm standing there thinking, God, should we just go home? That was like really good. Amen. Pray for our pastors. Next couple of weeks, they're on vacation, uh, heading to Florida. And, and I know Pastor Bill loves loves the beach. And, and so um, they'll have a great time down there. They'll come back refreshed. And um, we uh, thank God for them. And uh, we honor them this morning. Appreciate all that they've done for us. And uh, it's always an honor uh, to be asked to, uh, to share the word. Because uh, it's from this pulpit that the word was preached that honestly changed our lives. Amen. Kelly was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I think on the back row back there, or second to back row, and, and this is the place where, where we heard the message of faith for the first time and the message of God's love in a way that we'd never heard it before, and uh, it's allowed us, really, we feel like, to enjoy this awesome life uh, as our pastors have, have taught us the Word, and uh, not that we've uh, been perfect, but as they've taught us the Word, it, it just, you know, it, it Wherever we're at during the week, you come to church on Sunday morning and you get recalibrated. Amen. Right back in the middle of where God has uh, ha- uh, what he has for us. Amen. And uh, for, I feel like from the moment Pastor Bill asked me to uh, share over um, this service or share the word this service, um, right when he asked me, um, there had been a word kind of stirring in my heart uh, called Jesus at the center. And so Uh, Right when he asked me to share, I felt like that that was the word uh, that the Lord had for us this morning, Jesus at the center. You know, whatever you're in need of this morning, uh, or if you're in need of rest, um, uh, whatever our circumstances may be, wherever we're at in life, whatever we're going through, God has rest for us. He has peace, and we may go through different circumstances, different seasons of life, different situations, but regardless the circumstance, with Jesus at the center, we go through in perfect rest. Amen? We don't have to be uh, uh, up and down emotionally like the world is. We can go through things with uh, perfect rest. And Colossians 1.15, one of my favorite scriptures <clears throat> Sandy, I'm so sorry. I'm going to get you copies of the notes for the second service. It'll make it easier. But Colossians 1, we're going to see just how good Sandy is. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, Colossians 1.15 says, uh, He, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by him or by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. Amen? In him all things are held together. 
With him at the center of our relationships, they're held together. With him at the center of the marriage, they're held together. With him at the center of our mind, it's at rest. It's at peace. Because all things were made through him and for him. And in him, all things consist. Amen? If our country drifts from Jesus, the one in whom all things consist, it's so unfortunate. Amen? Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 said, God, who at various times, uh, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as Jesus has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they have. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. Revelation 1, 8. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I'm the one who is, who was, who is to come. I am the Almighty. Amen? The contentment, the fulfillment, the sense of purpose, the peace, uh, peace, the rest that the world is desperately seeking is only found in one thing. Amen? The world is on this uh, pursuit of self, and we see it in everything. Everybody's pursuing self. Self, self, self. I want luxury. I want attention. I want to be noticed. I want the best things. And all those things are intended to be God's blessing for us. As we lay down our lives and serve him. Intended to be blessings. Part of the old covenant, fulfilled by the new covenant. Intended to be blessings for us, but the pursuit of those things in themselves will not bring the contentment and peace and fulfillment that the world is desperately seeking. Amen? If you find yourself lacking contentment this morning, if you find yourself lacking fulfillment in any area of life, lacking a sense of purpose, needing peace, needing rest... Open up God's new covenant. Open up the living word. Ask God to reveal afresh to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of his love, Jesus Christ. Amen? Because it's in the, it's in the revelation of the manifestation of God's love on the earth, Jesus. It's in this continual revelation of who he is and what he came to do. It's in this revelation for you and I, that we, our eyes are open and our heart is open to recognize that the fulfillment and contentment that we're seeking is not found in things. It's found in the denial of self and the laying down of our lives and putting others first. That's where the contentment comes from. Amen? And uh, is that mine? 
No, sure, sorry. Oh, it's her. She's like... I am so sorry to just have everyone look at you this morning. I'm so sorry. Was that your phone? Oh, okay. You know, God put a desire uh, in each of us to excel. He put, us, uh, he put a desire in us for excellence. Um, I believe it's his desire in us to achieve great things. But God also knew that without Jesus, without his love at the center of a person's life, that priorities get out of whack and the pursuit of things would be, become the all-consuming purpose in people's lives. And uh, I believe he gave us an awesome story uh, to show us this uh, in the Old Testament. And it's the story of Solomon's life. And um, Sandy, if you could uh, put up Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 7 through 12. And uh, this story of Solomon... Um, it's just amazing to me. It, I think it shows us some different things. It shows us, one, what God can do in and through a person when we get God's wisdom. When, when he supernaturally puts his wisdom in us, he'll show us how to do things that we wouldn't normally know how to do. He'll bring, uh, the entrance of his word brings life, and, and he'll show us uh, how to go about life in a way that we wouldn't have understood before. And uh, But he also shows us with the life of Solomon that the pursuit of saying things and material success and success in life and adoration from others does not bring contentment or fulfillment. And it's an awesome story. We're going to go through here just for the next few minutes. Second Chronicles chapter um, 1, verses uh, 7 through 12 says, On that night God appeared to Solomon, and he said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? Saul, you know, he was 12 years old at the time. Uh, his father was David, the same David that took down Goliath. That was Solomon's father. Um, and and uh, he had died, and now Solomon has become king, anointed to become king. And so he's only 12 years old. And um, th- depending on which scholar you look at, a couple said he was 20, but the majority of the ones that I looked at said he was uh, 12, year, 12 years old. And, and so uh, God appears to him. And he said, uh, Solomon, um, he's, uh, God said, uh, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon, who uh, said to God, he said, you have shown great mercy to David, my father, and you have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge. So that I can go out and I can come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but you have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I made you king, Now listen to this promise. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings uh, have had who were before you, nor shall um, any after you have the like. So beginning at age 12, God supernaturally put this wisdom and knowledge in the heart of this boy. We have some awesome young people we've gotten to know. 
I coached sixth grade basketball. I, I know, I've, I've been around 12-year-olds, and, and I've been around some bright ones, some, some awesome young people, but none of them would I entrust to be king, <laughs> right? Or president. Have an election coming up, and we're going to elect Jaden Harbold as president. Is he 12 or 13? He's 13. Okay, too bad. He's not. He's too old. So... <laughs> So I think it's amazing that even at this young age, God put his wisdom, his knowledge in the heart of this, this boy, and he began to do things that no one had ever done. And he built some things that up until that time, no one had ever built. People were amazed at what he did. And God got all the attention. God got the glory. <clears throat> and um, God showed Solomon how to do some things that no one had ever done. He gave him wisdom to lead, wisdom to organize, wisdom on how to administer things in such a way that uh, he was able to accomplish things no one had ever accomplished. Second Chronicles one fifteen give you um, some of the accomplishments of Solomon that that he did using God's wisdom. Second Chronicles one fifteen said also the king made silver. And gold as common in Jerusalem as stones. And he made cedars as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the lowland. And then Second uh, Chronicles 8, 1 through 6. You know, some people build houses and buildings. Solomon built cities. Second Chronicles 8. Starting in verse 1, it said, It came to pass at the end of the 20 years, so now he's uh, 32 years old, still very young. It came to pass at the end of 20 years, Solomon had built the house of the Lord and his own house, that the cities which Hiram had given to Solomon, he built them. He settled the children of Israel there. Solomon went to Hamath Zobah and seized it. He built Tadmor in the wilderness, and he built all the storage cities which he built in Hamath. He built Upper Beth Horon, the Lower Beth Horon. These are fortified cities with walls, gates, and bars. Also, Balath and all the storage cities that Solomon had, and all the, the chariot cities and the cities of the cavalry, and all that Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem and Lebanon, and all the land of his dominion. He not only built some amazing buildings, he built cities. Second Chronicles 8, verse 16 said, Now all the work of Solomon was well ordered from the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord until it was finished. Some people look at their lives, you know, we think if I could just get everything in order, then I'll be okay. If I could just get things organized, or if I could just get to this point or that point, get to a, a certain place, then I'll be okay. Second Chronicles eight sixteen. Now all the work of Solomon was well ordered from the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord until it was finished. Now we're going to look at Second Chronicles 9, verses 1 through 9. Solomon had a visitor. And uh, Pastor Bill... Uh, he and I were talking about this a couple years ago, and uh, the queen of Sheba was from the region of the Sudan, and she was a queen over that area, and it's well known in the Sudan that that's where she was from. <clears throat> he, uh, Pastor Bill has a book on, on, on her, 
and her life and, and some different things. Second uh, uh, Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1 says, Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. She had a very great, does anybody know how to say that word? Retinue. Retinue. Camels that bore spices. She brought gold in abundance. She brought precious stones. And when she had come to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all of her questions. There was nothing so difficult that he could not explain it to her. He knew things that people had not known before him. God revealed, gave him tremendous knowledge, tremendous wisdom. Verse 3, when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, she saw the house that he built, she saw the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel. They must have been, you know, this was um, getting the attention of a queen. The service of his waiters, their apparel, his cupbearers and their apparel. She saw his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. It literally took her breath away or it blew her mind. Then she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard of my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe their words until I came and I saw with my own eyes. Indeed, the half of the greatness of your wisdom was not told me. You exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who stand before you continually to hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great abundance, and precious stones. Now, and this happened continually. Different kings uh, coming from around that region just to hear him talk, just to hear his wisdom, to hear what God had put in his heart. Look at Second uh, Chronicles 9.13. And I, and I did some math and, and translated this out into today's dollars. It said the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. And I don't really have any idea what that means. So I asked Google. That equals f- uh, 50 tons of gold. Uh, 49,950 pounds of gold. And precious metals are measured in troy ounces. Thank you, Google. And there's 14.58 troy ounces in a pound. So as of Friday, May 27th, I believe that's the right date, uh, gold per troy ounce was $1,214.80 times 14.58 troy ounces per pound times 49,950 pounds. Here's the number. Did anybody do that math right there in your head? Okay. So the amount of gold that came to Solomon annually from kings in that area was 88, $884,703,611. dollars Second Chronicles chapter 9, verses 22 through 24. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. 
all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon just to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present. They brought articles of silver, gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, mules at a set rate year by year. All right. Now go to Second Chronicles chapter 9, verses 25 through 28. Chapter 9, verses 25 through 28. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots. He had 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. So he reigned over all the kings from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. Solomon made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. And he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland. And they brought horses to Solomon from Egypt and from all the lands. It says in uh, First King, uh, the book of Proverbs, <clears throat> 31 chapters in Proverbs, God, God showed him some things to watch out for in his life. You don't have to put this up there, but Proverbs 5, 3 says, The lips of an immoral woman drip honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil. Solomon wrote this. In the end, this woman is bitter as wormwood. She is sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Unless you ponder the path of her life, unless you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable, and you do not know her. Remove your way from her. Do not go near the door of her house. If you do, you will give your honor to others, and your years you will give to the cruel one. Aliens will be filled with your wealth, and all of your labors will go to the house of a foreigner, and you will mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. Later on in that, in, in that chapter, verse 23, he said, This young man felt shall die for lack of instruction. God showed Solomon. He said, don't turn your heart away. Don't take any wives of the people that um, don't know me. Well, Solomon struggled in this area of his life, and he did not obey God, despite all those amazing things that God did in him and through him. People coming from all over the area, just, oh, just let me hear you talk, Solomon. Just let me hear, just let me hear you talk. He had unlimited wealth, uh, basically unlimited success, prestige, honor among all the people in the area. His place was perfect, had all the best food, the best clothing, thousands of chariots. If it was today, he would have an unlimited supply of whatever kind of car you want. What do you want? No, no, no. <laughs> Something way better than that. <laughs> Ferraris, Lamborghinis. We rented a convertible Corvette in, in Florida for a few days. It was awesome. How many times did you say slow down? So many times. I said, okay, I'm taking you back to the hotel. I am going by myself. Whoa! 
Okay. So all these things in Solomon's life intended to be God's blessing. But he opened the door in an area of his life. In 1 Kings, it said he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. A concubine is like a mistress. He had 1,000 women at his disposal. Unlimited sexual fulfillment. Unlimited gratification of the flesh. Because if she's not in the mood, surely she is. That is no joke. Right? Christian men who love God want to be all God's called you to be, blaming it on your wife that you're not fulfilled, that if just be fulfilled in that area of your life and you'll be okay. Yes, it's important. But no, it will not bring the fulfillment that you're looking for. Solomon is the example. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 3. I didn't really mean to go that way, but we, we can do that. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 3. It's okay. Pastors will be back soon. <laughs> Listen to what Solomon said. He said, I searched in my heart how to... Now, this is... He wrote Ecclesiastes during this other chapter of his life. After he had all these wives and his heart began to turn from the Lord. He said, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom, how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I'm going to read this. Ecclesiastes 2, 3. And then verse 4. Look at that. If you could go to verse 4, Sandy. Thank you. He said, I made my works great. I built myself houses. I planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants. I had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered for myself silver. I had gold. I had special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. I became great, and I excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. This guy satisfied, satisfied the flesh. At least, he tried to satisfy the flesh. He had everything. Food. If he wanted a massage, any time of the day, just call one of these servants. I want a massage. Yep. It's 10 a.m. 3 p.m. I want another one. Yep. I'd like my sponge bath now. I want this for dinner. I want it. That's my favorite band. I want to hear them. That garden's not perfect. I want those 10 servants out there to fix. And a little wreck. Thank you, Father. Take care of that in Jesus' name. Minister to those people. Look at verse 17, Ecclesiastes 
chapter 2, verse 17. This man who had everything that supposedly the world is telling us, if we just get these things, we'll be okay. He said, therefore, I hated life. Isn't that unbelievable? He hated life. Everywhere he went, people adored him. They just wanted to hear him talk. Had unlimited money, unlimited everything that everybody in the world today is pursuing. People are going after all these same things that he accomplished. Everybody thinks if I could just have some time off and get some leisure, I'll be okay. If I could just get, see the flesh, once we feed the flesh, the flesh wants more. You feed the flesh some entertainment, the flesh wants more of that entertainment. We love sports. We love close games. You feed the flesh a close game, an exciting game, the flesh wants another one. The flesh wants more good food, better clothes. You get a nice Cadillac, now your eyes start drifting towards a Mercedes. The flesh wants more and more and more. The flesh wants more. And the flesh cannot be satisfied. The key is in Jesus. Amen? Say Jesus. At the center. Look at Colossians 1.15. We see this in today's entertainers, and I didn't want to talk about anybody specifically, but, uh, you know, um, Michael Jackson from northern Indiana, from Gary, Indiana, you know, in his career, everywhere he went, he had what people would think would bring complete fulfillment and satisfaction from life. Everywhere he went, crowds screamed his name, we love you! Sing for us. Had unlimited wealth. When he died, he had uh, 50 luxury cars. Uh, had uh, his ranch called Neverland with his own zoo. Had things like Solomon had. But he couldn't find rest. And ultimately, he died putting chemicals in his body, trying to find rest. It's only found in the continual revelation of the manifestation of God's love in the earth. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Whatever we're seeking after in life, it's found in the man, Jesus Christ. It's found in him. It's found in the manifestation of God's love in the earth. Because when our eyes are open and our heart is open to who he is and why God sent him, then we get a revelation that the fulfillment and the contentment and the peace and the rest that we're so desperately looking for is found in the denial of self and the putting others first rather than the, 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 the satisfaction and, uh, and the pleasing of self. Amen. That's where it's found. Colossians 1.15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. See, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's not about what we can achieve and how much attention we can get and how gratified and satisfied we can be. It's about him. It was all made for him and through him and by him. And so when we put him at the center, 
then it allows us to live our lives in such a way where we can be at total rest. Amen? All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things. And in him, all things consist. Consist means held together. Marriages, family, the mind. Everything is held together when people put Jesus at the center of their lives. He must be at the center of our life in order to find fulfillment and find contentment. You mentioned that car, and I thank God for it because I've had some crappy cars, and it wasn't very long ago. We went through a difficult season. I had a really crappy car, and I thought I would be okay if I could just get a nice car. And I got this amazing car, completely exceeded my expectations. I'm so thankful for it. It's exactly what I wanted, and God gave it to me. He opened the door, and he gave it to me. I saw it in a parking lot at the McDonald's parking or uh, McDonald's in West Lafayette about six months or it was, long, it was about a year ago, and I, I took a picture of it. I sent it to Kelly. I said, that, that's the car. I said, that's the one I really like. It's black with tan leather interior. That's the one I, I really like. I said, I'm going to believe for that one. And then God made a way, opened the door. I was able to get that car. About a month la- not not that particular one, but a different one. <clears throat> about a month later, I'm driving the car. I was like, and I see somebody else drive by. I'm like, Oh, that car looks awesome. <laughs> what? What are we doing? The things that God intends to be blessings in our life are just that. They're blessings. Gives us all things richly to enjoy. But the continual gratification or satisfaction of self does not bring fulfillment nor contentment nor rest, nor peace. Amen? It's only found in the, mani- in the revelation of the manifestation of God's love in the earth, Jesus. Amen? Yeah. And we'll wrap it up with this. The world is consumed with the pursuit of things, pursuit of the satisfaction of self, the pleasing of self. Real rest only comes in caring for others, putting others first, walking in love, being more concerned for the well-being of others than ourselves. Herein lies the key to rest. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did. The religious leaders of Jesus day you know seeking to fulfill the commandments of the old testament law and they didn't even realize that the fulfillment was standing right in front of them look at Matthew 12 42 Matthew 12:42 it's an awesome scripture just a brief thing that Jesus said to the religious leaders of the day he said the queen of Sa- of the south that is the queen of sheba Jesus is referencing Solomon right here because all the religious leaders of the day, they knew all about Solomon. They knew what he had done. They had heard what he had done. They had heard of his fame, of all the amazing things that God did through him. He said the queen of the south 
She's going to rise up in judgment with this generation, and she's going to condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. Amen. The one who gave Solomon the wisdom on the inside of his heart to do what he did, he's standing in their midst, and they didn't even know it. Romans chapter 5, 7 and 8, Scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love towards you and me, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down one's life for his friends. In 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called his children. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. In Romans eight thirty eight, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, not things present, not things to come, not height, not depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's all stand up this morning. I would appreciate if you all would pray for second service. Um, I think the service will be full, and we're going to have an altar call at the end uh, for people in the second service needing rest. Amen? And, and I think there's going to be a lot of people that do, and so we're believing for God's work. Amen? All across the room.